0: back again to our Brooklyn Bites. This is episode 98. I am Stephanie.
1: I'm Leon.
0: So what's been going on this week?
1: (laughs) Some more gaming activity, obviously. Yeah? Yeah, that's what I keep busy with. And this time around, I went in a different direction. I uh, decided to play a game on a new game system. Not really new, but at least a system I hadn't uh, given much attention to as of late. The Nintendo DS and i i kind of got drawn to a game on there that i had been thinking about for a while because I, I and i always say this too i always bring up here's a setting that i really like in games and in this case it's it's about game set on the moon on earth's moon i really uh something about that that environment it the, the you know sort of the, the desolation of it and the you know the sort of everything seems almost monochromatic because there's nothing around but just rocks there's no air there's no life it, it just it makes it, a, that's, it
0: that's what they tell you
1: that's what we've hear so far yeah if you believe it yeah and so the game that 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 i wanted to, ch- to check out was moon titled simply moon on on the ds this is a game by Renegade Kid, a studio that we've uh, talked about before. This was a retail release? A retail game. Okay. Uh, published by Mastiff, which was a company that was putting out a lot of these smaller, unknown type of games back then. It, this was released on January 13th of 2009. Hmm. This was Renegade Kid's game that followed their, their first DS game, which was uh, Dementium, the Ward. This was a, That was like a sort of a horror FPS style game. And this one is more of a sci-fi FPS. It's a 3D FPS running on the Renegade Engine 2.0, which was, I guess, their revised version of their 3D engine. And it was interesting because it had a, a true FPS experience on the DS, something that... You kind of saw it in, in, in Metroid Prime Hunters, mm-hmm. but this one was really uh, a technical feat because it was running at a f- smooth 60 FPS, something that you wouldn't expect to see uh, on a 3D game on a handheld. So, very interesting. But this one also features uh, full voice acting, FMV cutscenes, uh, you know, f- full, you know, like it looks like a real production. It sounds
0: like they had a good budget going into this?
1: Yeah, surprising, considering I don't think it was a very large team. Hmm. I think they're a fairly uh, small outfit. So as you play the game, the top screen is your window into the world, the the 3D polygon-based view, and the bottom screen is uh, reserved for the map view, and it also uses the the touchscreen for controls in this, um, stylus controls, to aim. So basically... Uh, it's a substitute for your mouse on what would be a PC-based FPS or your, I guess, your right analog stick on a controller. Basically, it's your free look arrangement. So uh, that leaves your your other hand to use the D-pad to move around and then the shoulder button to shoot with. And that's really all the controls that are required for this game. It's also reversible. You could do left-handed play by using your left hand for the stylus and then using the, the face buttons on the right side of the BS for movement and for shooting. Oh,
0: that's weird. Yeah, so oh. you, could,
1: you could configure it either way okay. if, you, uh, if you choose to. So there were three difficulty levels, Rookie, Normal, and Veteran. I just played on Normal. And the setting of the game is in the year 2058,
0: the okay. not-too-distant future.
1: The, the not-so-distant okay. not future, right. Uh, I play as Major Edward Kane. He's been sent to the moon because a hatch, a mysterious hatch has been found. And we've been sent in to investigate. I land on a moon base. And I get a little briefing about from, I guess, the command staff telling us, you know, there's... Some weird stuff going on here, and the markings on this hatch are consistent with what what was found in the Roswell wreckage. So this ties back to Roswell. Wow,
0: so Roswell didn't happen. I knew it.
1: This is what they say. They say that we were, we were able to travel to the moon and establish a base there based on Roswell technology. Mm-hmm.
0: Wait, Roswell's <laughs> new <Newegg>, right?
1: <laughs> Why do you say that's that's, that's that's Roswell? Oh. <laughs> Maybe that's close. They should have gone with Roswell. Why didn't they do that? Maybe
0: that's too close to the alien wear.
1: That's right. Yeah. They can't they can't do that. Well, so on the moon, during our little briefing, there's a power surge and something happens and I'm forced to go investigate and you know all the base personnel has been knocked out. Suddenly there's hostile orbs floating around. Um, I encounter some kind of device that releases a vapor that knocks me out and when I come to I feel more powerful all of a sudden deadly vapors deadly vapors yeah some of the team is missing now and I've been told I've been given clearance to descend into the hatch and locate the missing teammates so there's a nice level of detail when looking around in the game you see um, a lot of stuff in the background the characters look busy like all the other astronauts that are sort of looking around they're like kind of refueling the shuttle and they're, they're working and um you know, busy performing their tasks, computer monitors are lit up, and you see a lot of display elements scrolling and moving around. So it looks like there's a lot of, um, you know, just activity, just to make the environment feel more more alive. Uh, but right away, because I'm being called to go look for my missing teammates, my default weapon is given to me, something called the Super Assault Rifle. And this, this first weapon doesn't require any ammunition it's basically free fire as much as you want but of course it's not that powerful so uh as you go along there's more interesting and more more powerful weapons to be found and actually this weapon is the only sort of um you know earth made weapon that i'm provided with everything else is of a more exotic uh origin Mm. Uh, I'd say overall the graphics are kind of, I would say, somewhere around PS1 level. But maybe a little, obviously a little better. It was without all the weird wobbly polygons that the PlayStation tends to have. Uh, The music, very kind of dark ambient. Sort of, just to heighten that sense of isolation. Because you're kind of working alone on a moon base. Um, But it does kind of get more amped up and more excited during... Uh, you know more uh, I would say boss encounters and end of level type events, you know things like that, uh, so once I do go into the the alien structure, it does look like it is some type of alien environment. much of it re- reminds me kind of of, of like a quake like environment, like the same kind of design and the same sort of palette, uh, but some are more in the vein of Tron because anytime I see something in the wall with like Glowing lights or, you know, like lines moving or, or it looks like uh, some kind of computer display gives me that Tron vibe uh, In other places though, I think the interior looks more like a board cube, <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's a blend of all these little visual elements uh, I, There's save terminals scattered throughout, you know, little little terminals that you can walk up to and it'll ask you if you want to save your game uh, That also restores health when when used so it's a way to max out health if necessary like if you just save the game in one room and then you get all beat up you can backtrack one room and just go back to the save terminal refill the health so pretty easy uh enemies frequently drop health packs too so really health isn't a huge issue um there's also health upgrades along the way as long as well as uh Weapon ammo upgrades, so you know you can boost the amount of ammo that you can carry for the, the better weapons that you find. There's also information terminals that contain these log entries. Uh, they give a lot of background information of just the story of what's going on. Um, some of these are from humans that have been here already, and then there's others that are from other sources. And we don't exactly know... Who's speaking, necessarily Uh, So it adds a little mystery To to things as well Um, The voice-acted cutscenes Are accompanied by on-screen Text and and character portraits So it really feels like... um, sort of like a radio conversation. So a lot of times you you have, you kind of check back in to base or you check back into command to let them know how things are going. And you see little portraits pop up to sort of indicate who you're talking to. So
0: there is actually voice samples?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of extensive Surprising voice acting DS in this game. game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, there are some CG rendered cutscenes too, but they're fairly low quality video. It mm-hmm. gets pretty blocky kind of hard to tell but i guess for the ds screen it's not very high resolution anyway
0: yeah the ds screen is tiny mm-hmm.
1: um so these cutscenes are often they often pop up when like you're about to get to the end of the level whenever you're about to encounter whatever ends the, the level um but i i don't really want to give away too much about the story of the game so i won't really dig into that uh but uh there is this this map on the bottom of the screen right And usually it's a mini-map during normal gameplay as I'm walking around. It just kind of shows the room that I'm in and, like, the connecting corridors and things like that. But there is a, a button to go to, like, a full level map. And that map usually isn't available until I access the terminal in the beginning of the level. So you log into this terminal and it kind of downloads the map data to your suit. And uh, it's revealed in a very Metroid-like style, accompanied with some dramatic music, you know. So it kind of just slowly fades in the map and kind of shows you what what, what lays ahead. (laughs) Uh, Most of the enemies are, there's like a lot of flying drones, a lot of orbs and spheres and things that kind of fly around the level. Uh, They have uh, different attack patterns and different styles of weaponry, but you kind of get used to it pretty easily. Uh, there 's also things like mobile turrets there 's like small spider drones that don 't really attack they just kind of wander around. It seems like there may be some kind of um, maybe some kind of maintenance droid or something like that, but they do they are aggressive I mean they do sting when they touch you, so um, those are best avoided but one interesting thing that separates this game from just an ordinary f p s is I eventually find an interesting little companion called the Remote Access Droid. And this is basically a little uh, remote-controlled RC car, almost, right? Mm -hmm. Which, uh, in the description, when I first pick it up, it says it's an alien probe device. So this is not... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's not usually something you want. (laughs) But, in this case, it's helpful. It's very useful in this game. It can be guided into ducts to unlock doors on the other side of force fields. Um, It could activate switches and other hard-to-reach places. That's exactly what you need an alien probe for. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't have any weaponry per se. It doesn't do any damage, but it has like a stunner, which can temporarily disable targets. So, uh, you know, once you, as you're guiding this thing, those other like sort of. those those mini drones that I talked about are around and try to get in the way, and you can stun them with with the weapon that the drone, the little, um, the remote drone carries. It's also it can also work against bigger enemies too, but it tends to wear off pretty quickly. Uh, One potential strategy is you can send in the mouse droid to stun like an enemy, and then switch back to your character and then shoot the stunned enemy, but. It takes a little bit of effort to do something like that, so I usually didn't. I didn't really try to do it that way. Um, another thing is early. You know, I noticed a vent when I first picked up this mouse droid. Uh, so, th- you know, like I, I had seen this vent earlier in the level, but I couldn't obviously do anything with it. I couldn't interact with it until I acquired uh, the probe. And so I backtracked to earlier in the level, and I sent the remote droid into it. And it retrieves an alien artifact inside the vent. And it says, alien artifact one of three. So, on many of the levels, there are three alien artifacts hidden somewhere on the level. And if you pick all three up, it unlocks uh, secret training missions that can be accessed from the main menu, if all are collected.
0: So, what does this artifact look like?
1: Usually, it looks like a piece of stone or something. Mm. It's just kind of floating in the air, and you just find it. Yeah. Uh, they're almost always found in a duct somewhere, so pretty much it's it's the remote access droid's job to find to find all these artifacts. So basically, it's 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 worth exploring around. Uh, so I mentioned the bosses. The first boss encounter is with this scorpion spider bot of some kind. I know it's a boss because you know, he's got a health bar <laughs> unlike the other enemies. And he had like a dramatic intro. So naturally, um, this sort of, uh, is used to indicate the end of the level, but I also picked up my first new weapon before I encountered it. Something called the muon p- pistol. The who? The mu, the muon pistol. Muon? Okay. <laughs> which is a type of subatomic particle, I guess. Okay. Uh, so with this pistol, this is not too bad. Uh, it actually adds a lot of strength to, to, you know, my firepower And one of the following bosses Is uh, labeled Guardian 1 Which is just like some kind of weird um, It's a stationary boss He doesn't move around But he can spin around in place And he's got these tentacles With like a skull in the middle of it Very, very you know, sort of angry looking uh, Just have to hit a t- weak spots a few times And, you know, it goes up in smoke uh, however, upon beating this boss A 90 second countdown starts And I have to make a run for the elevator We we, we love timed levels, yeah. right? It's not the best Straight out
0: of Metroid, isn't
1: <laughs> it? <laughs> sure Totally gives you that, that feeling too uh, So I head back to my base And I find out I need to enter a new section Of the alien structure So I have to pick up explosives now And drive out on the moon's surface On a moon buggy And there's a few times in the game Where you know the FPS action is broken up a little bit by the, these these short driving sections. These are a little challenging because there's mines in the in the ground for some reason. <laughs> there's also drones and turrets firing at me, uh, but I do reach a spot where explosives are planted and then a new hatch is exp- is ex- exposed as a result. So. You know, the game kind of continues in this vein Uh, A lot of new levels to explore Um, Some of these levels are broken up into different sections Sometimes you can't access a certain section Until you complete another area Uh, For example, uh, the next one is split up to three sections And I have to sort of traverse the level Collecting um, pieces of a device There's like a a terminal that I find in the beginning of the level Where it seems like a device can be assembled there And it turns out these new pieces, you know, these three pieces, once I collect them, uh, form a new weapon, something called the Quanta Rifle. And there's actually four more weapons that I find throughout the course of the game, um, including, you know, equivalents to what would be like a sniper rifle or a shotgun, you know, things like that. You know, the standard loadout for, for an FPS. Uh, but again, I don't want to give away too much about this game. It's, a lot of it is, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of story is revealed as you go through the game. You get, obviously, the cutscenes inf- give a lot of information about what's going on, as well as the terminals that reveal all the, the hidden dialogue. Um, I've seen some reviews sort of talk about the game as if it was, you know, kind of more of like an adventure game. I don't really agree with that assessment. I feel like it really is... I mean, the bulk of what you do in the game is straight-up FPS action. Hmm. So I wouldn't really uh, give it too much more beyond that. Uh, My playtime in the game was about nine and a half hours, so it's a pretty full experience. Um, The So the people that worked on this game... uh, Jules Watcham is one of the founders of Renegade Kid... He was the game director and producer. Uh, Another co-founder, Greg Hargrove, was the art director for this game. Um, Jules was also credited as co-designer and sound effects for the game. Mm -hmm. So uh, I looked at the credits overall. Pretty small team, really. Um, Now, because this game was published by Mastiff in 2009, uh, I think they had a five-year contract. And... It expired with the original publisher, if they're even still around. I'm not sure, but basically, uh, the rights to the, the property, to the IP, reverted to Renegade Kid in 2014. Mm. So now they they fully own the game again. And what they did is they actually ported it to 3ds as an eShop game. Oh, nice! So it's available on 3ds as Moon Chronicles. It's been retitled. Because now it's episodic in nature. They kind of broke up the original game. They enhanced it. They added a lot of new stuff. Obviously, updated version of the engine. So why didn't you play that one? (laughs) Well, because I didn't have it on 3DS. Okay. Uh, So it's it's available as an eShop download. You can get episode one. That was released in May of 2014. And then they... Added, they released episodes 2 through 4 As like I think a single pack I mean they sold them individually But they also had it as a bundle So you can get I think episodes 1 through 4 Encompass the original game And they intended to do more beyond that I don't, I'm not quite sure they've done anything more With the property I don't think so though But that episode 2 through 4 came out in February of 2015 So it was available last year uh, But as of recently Renegade Kid actually Is no more They've, oh, split, they've split into two new studios, mm-hmm. <laughs> oddly enough. So on August 29th of this year, they announced that they've split into two new entities, Renegade Kids 2D games, such as yeah. Mutant Muds and Treasure Knots and Zeo Drifter mm-hmm. and Totes the Goat, another game you played. Yes. <laughs> Those are going to move to a new studio called Atui, which is spelled A T. O-O-I. Yeah, I
0: think they're the ones that published the Toad's the Goat
1: game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be headed by Jules. And the 3D games like Dementium and then like Moon Chronicles, uh, they also did some ATV games, which also move over with them. That moves over to a new studio called Infitismo. <laughs> Very odd names. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, that one's going to be led by the other guy in the team. Do they have any... The team. Th-
0: have they working on anything or is there something new i'm
1: sure they've got something cooking i don't think they've announced anything just yet okay but i went on ebay just to look for the original game
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh ds for the ds card and you would think it should be pretty easy to find this game on ebay but it's not that simple because it's simply titled moon yeah so i had to filter a lot of search terms i have to i had to remove harvest so I don't get Harvest oh, Moon games. I, I had to remove Luigi, so I don't get you know uh, dark you know the uh, Dark Moon game,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Luigi's Mansion that was ported to 3DS. Um, I had to filter on Transformers, so I didn't get Dark oh, of the God. Moon. <laughs> and also, I even had to filter on Pokemon, so I don't get Sun and Moon, mm. <laughs> which I think are uh, coming soon. Um, so maybe that's not the best
0: title for a game.
1: It's a pretty simple title, and it has nothing to do with the movie that was also titled Moon. Yeah. Uh, but as it turns out, Loose Cart, despite being a fairly not-so-common game, it doesn't seem to be much demand for it, Loose Cart can be had for between $10 and $15, mm-hmm. and about 15 to 40 for a complete copy. But you can get it as cheap as 15 if you wait out hmm. for like the right auction. Um, but I'll also mention a little bit about what I had to do to play this game. Now, I didn't play this on a DS because I wanted to get a life-sized kind of view of the game. Right. <laughs> so yes. I played it on my computer mm-hmm. using um, a-, a DS emulator.
0: Yeah, how does that work?
1: So it was an interesting experience, actually, because... Well, so obviously I had to simulate the touch controls, and that's done with the mouse. And as far as movement goes, I played with the keyboard instead. So I actually did like a mouse and keyboard FPS style control set up for this game. Uh, But it's a little tricky. It's still not quite as intuitive as a native PC game would be. So I played this with this emulator called um, D... S-M-U-M-E it's hard to to say this word but but, uh, I'll spell it out, it's D-E-S-M-U-M-E so initially I played with side-by-side screens, right? Because uh, you know how the DS is it's two screens vertically Mm -hmm. arranged but a lot of times the top screen and the bottom screen don't always connect in a graphical way you can have them either way, you can either have them side-by-side or you can have them one over the other So initially, I tried that side-by-side arrangement. And um, at first, I had problems keeping the mouse pointer on the bottom screen. Because you have to click into the screen to simulate tapping on the screen with a stylus, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of times, I would find my mouse pointer is either outside of that screen or... You know, my sort of, sort of my instinct to, to the way I would normally play an FPS would be to just scroll anywhere I want, but I have to kind of specifically click into that screen to get it to move the way I would like. Um, so what I did is I said, "All right, I, let me let me try a different approach." So what I did is I rotated the monitor. I, I my, my monitor has a pivot on nice. it. Nice. So I actually flipped the monitor into that? yeah into vertical portrait mode. Uh-huh. What size monitor? Uh, I have a 23-inch mm. desktop. It's a normal, mm. kind of a run-of-the-mill monitor.
0: Being a <laughs> PC master race person, I <laughs> you're going to have like one of those 37
1: inches. Um, that would require a, a much heftier uh, video card investment, mm. so I'm not quite ready to do that. <laughs> Someday, someday, but I think I would even keep a monitor like this just to be able to to rotate it because if it did have some monster yeah. thirty five inch or thirty four inch it wouldn 't be that easy to rotate something like that <laughs> uh, so that 's what I did, and I, so what that what the effect of doing that was that I had the bottom screen on the bottom, and then you know, I, I changed the emulator, so now it 's the same vertical arrangement as you would have on a ds. Uh, but now the 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 monitor itself, or at least the desktop, acted as a boundary for the mouse movement, so basically, the mouse was restricted to staying within the bottom screen, mm-hmm. so it made control like a lot more intuitive and nice. and natural so that worked out well
0: now would you ever think of doing an ex like a second
1: monitor and I could doing p- like stack two monitors on top of each other um, If I did a second monitor, I would probably just have one permanently vertical and one permanently horizontal mm. i think that that's more comfortable okay yeah i'm not a big fan of, of the bezel break i don't like the display yeah, being it's broken two between. separate
0: screens anyway so it shouldn't make a difference
1: yeah i, I do have a second room display on my computer but it's just a normal tv it's just an LCD mm. tv so i can output video to that like if i want to watch like a youtube yeah. clip while i'm working on the computer i could just throw it over to the tv and, right. and that, that works out fine so, I did initially play one version of the emulator, which was which only had support for like the DS's native resolution. So the the DS is like I said, it's a pretty low res device, right? The, the two screens are a mere two fifty six by one ninety two resolution, right? But you know this, the game still looks pretty good, even though it looks like I'm playing through a screen door, mm-hmm, like you mm-hmm. know, it kind of just has it just has that very blocky look. Um, and I'm sure blowing it up to a 23-inch monitor doesn't help. So I got a special version of the emulator, which uh, was—it's uh, a sort of a fork in the build, and there's a kind of a custom version uh, that supports uh, sort of 3D enhancement of of the original games. Um, this basically increases the internal resolution of the ds, so it 's as if you upgraded the video card in the d s and told it Weird. you can now you know go up to four times the native resolution, so I actually ran the game in ten twenty four by seven sixty eight instead of you know two fifty six by one ninety two so it looked a lot a lot better I thought mm-hmm. I, it looked everything all the models were suddenly sharp and you know very. You know, moved well, and,
0: <laughs> and... you don't mind that that's not the original intention?
1: I, I, I welcome the improvements. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I think it, it enhances the experience uh-huh. and, and makes it a better game. Um, I, I think... Uh, so I
0: wonder, I don't know, did you look at any YouTube clips of the 3DS version to see how different the graphical enhancements are compared uh,
1: to... Yeah, I think... I, I did see what the 3DS version looks like. It, it is you know obviously better than what the results I got doing mm-hmm. the, this because they added up they added other stuff i mean in in addition okay. to the improved resolution on the 3DS and in addition to like just the improvements to the engine that they added things looked cleaned up i mean one thing the simulator doesn't do is it doesn't improve the te- the textures mm-hmm. so obviously increasing the resolution helps with jaggies and eliminating that sort of stair step look um, but there's no there's no texture filtering as far as i can tell so you still have the same kind of uh, low res textures on on walls and on objects mm-hmm. um but it's still a huge improvement now the the kind of the challenge here was going from one emulator to the other because i had already played a big chunk of the game with the first emulator i used so i'm like well great how am i going to get it over to the other one am i going to have to restart the game so at first, I copied over the save state files, mm-hmm. tried loading those in. That didn't work. Wow. Not okay. compatible doing that. That's uh, but the game saves did work. The game saves that I saved, the, like as I was playing the game, I saved my progress in those save like, terminals. Okay. Oh, all right. And so I actually copied, like the basically the battery saves that uh-huh. the, of the game. And what, The
0: other one was the save states?
1: The other one was save states. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that the save states didn't work, but so the, the, the battery saves mm, did. All right, because it is the same. It is the same emulator, I guess. The format that it saved those files in were compatible. Yeah, so that worked out pretty well. That's good. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of the game itself, would I recommend it? Um, I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think it's not that comfortable to play this game, whether whether you're using the original stylus approach or. The weird (laughs) sort of emulated uh, solution that I came up with, Um, you know, it's it's so so. I I still felt, even after playing the game for a while, the controls were still a little clunky doing it this way. Yeah, Uh, you you think it would have been better with a stylus on a screen? uh, I don't know if it really would have helped too much because I think there are parts in the game where it's pretty challenging Mm -hmm. and it requires a fair amount of precision. You know, I think. I don't know. I think it would be kind of tough. Mm. I would say if you're going to play the game at all, definitely play it on the 3DS. Just because the 3DS version also supports the the circle pad or the second analog nub.
0: Oh, cool. Okay. So you can
1: do a full like dual analog so like setup.
0: That's the new 3DS that has that, right? The
1: new 3DS has the, the analog, the second analog mm-hmm. built in. But if you have an older You know, 3DS. You can use the Circle Pad enhancement Mm. if you happen to have that accessory too. So I think that would probably be the best way to play it. But but overall, I I still think it was interesting just because I'm interested in the subject matter. You like outer space. I I like space and I like the moon too. (laughs) And the moon. And the moon. (laughs) So that was uh, that was sort of the game that I was kept busy with this week. Excellent. Did you have any time for games?
0: Yeah, so uh, I started a new job this week, Mm -hmm. so I've been kind of busy with that. Had your hands full A lot of hours, and it was a holiday this Mm -hmm. week also, so I haven't really had a whole lot of time to play any games. Uh, I tried, I couldn't do it. But uh, I did, I'm embarrassed to say it, but I did download this new Pac-Man game that came out.
1: Uh, That's not unusual for you.
0: It's not until I tell you what it's called. Okay. So you might think I'm talking about Pac-Man Championship Edition Two, uh-huh. but I'm not. I'm talking about Pac-Man Pop, the Bubble Shooter Match Three. <laughs> wow. This is a. It's a free mobile game. Uh huh. It's on you know Android, iOS, but it's one of those uh, like. You know, those, like, bubble-matching Match
1: 3 games, you know? What a time we live in, though, where we have have multiple new Pac-Man games to play. Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) So, you know, I'm not proud of my decision to do Mm -hmm. this because, you know, these are, like, the typical, stereotypical, like, mobile games that people, you know, sort of gives mobile a bad name, you know, Uh these Match 3 games. Yeah. And uh, this is just, I mean, I, I don't play these. This is not really my type of game. I don't think they're bad games, actually, but... Um, it, it just seems a little bit like a reskinned version of, of this game, through, with Pac-Man characters thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, the Pac-Man art that they chose, like the animations, is kind of questionable, and it, it sort of doesn't look like what we've seen in the past of Pac-Man artwork.
1: It's sort of an original take on. It sort of is on on Pac-Man style.
0: Now, now, it's not the first time they've done that, and especially on a recent. Pac-Man card game that was released. Uh, the artwork's actually really good on that. I, I don't think it's unavailable anymore. I think that card game finished. Mm-hmm. But um, this time around, it's a little rough. But I'm okay with it. You know, it's still Pac-Man to me. I don't really mind. You mm-hmm.
2: know,
0: it has your four ghosts. Your your Pac-Man guy. He dances. He jumps around as, as you're playing. And it plays like um, any one of those. Well, what's it re- really based on? It was an old arcade game, right? uh well I could say you would Was it compare, bust, it. Uh, you compare it to bust a move you
1: compare it to bust move or puzzle bobble yeah that's really um, what like
0: the genre started yeah
1: but they've they've added like little things that probably weren't in those games uh-huh so the whole like match three bubbles to pop them and something happens mm-hmm. that's that's kind of its own genre at this point
0: okay uh nothing nothing really special mm-hmm you know it's uh there a little pachinko thing at the bottom, like the four ghosts are lined up. So when you knock down some of the balls, they fall and the balls bounce and bounce on the ghost heads mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. And so the ghost, the whole storyline is there's uh, I don't know how many levels, but there's over a hundred easily, and, and it's pretty much free to play. Like I'm up to level thirty, I think, and I haven't needed to like buy any coins or anything like that. So uh, I think it, you know you can probably get a good taste of the game without spending any money.
1: Is, it, is the kind of thing where you you get you get to play a certain number of levels unless you fail out, and then you have an X number of lives that I, rebuild. Honestly,
0: I, I really haven't failed very often. Mm-hmm. I, I think once I died, like I've played it enough where when I my got my game ended and I ran out of balls to throw, yeah, I felt like ah, I played enough for tonight. You know, I'm just going to shut this off. Okay, but you know, also I haven't had a lot of time either. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, I've seen like two, I think two different types of levels. One where you have to shoot your balls at the fruit that's on the level. Was fruit? Do you have to,
1: like, free ghosts or anything? or Is that is that a goal or is that no, something you're trying ghosts, to avoid?
0: Yeah, there's a ghost coming at you. So every turn you take, there's two ghosts, like, in the upper maze, and they're, like, dropping down one space, sort of like Space Invaders. Every mm-hmm. time they move down one, move down one. So um, you can kill the ghost if you have the the right color ball that matches that ghost color. Uh-huh. You, can, you can chuck the ball at it and it'll send the ghost back up to the maze, you know sort of do that but uh,
1: it's pretty straightforward i don't know um it looks you know, fun it looks like the kind of, I, I happen to like that genre of puzzle you do game. really so i will probably try this at some point
2: yeah
1: i'm trying to just sort out my ipad issues at the moment it's another distraction
0: you know <laughs> that's all uh-huh. it is mm-hmm. but yeah so that's it's really it you know um, nothing special
1: cool mm-hmm. not bad and that's a, that's a, like you said, that's a free download, right?
0: Yeah, it's a free download. I, I mean, like I said, too, I didn't really get too deep into it. So I know there's, like, power-ups you can do, and there's some, um, there's mini-games that are in there, but I didn't get far enough to know, mm-hmm. like, what that's about. I'm not sure. It's not really, like, a, a game genre that I play a lot. Right. So I don't know how much I'll continue with it. It didn't, it didn't seem bad, though. I, mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm talking about it, because some of these g- games are, like, especially these free to play games are not very good. <laughs> right, right.
2: Okay cool. Yeah
1: Pac-Man fix of the week Not bad uh, But Despite all this other stuff There were some other events this week It was a busy week I don't know Right For one thing September 7th Were a couple of interesting media events Starting off with The Apple special event <laughs> And this was obviously uh, the event to announce the latest generation of iPhone, namely the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it started off with a new game that Apple had announced, namely through Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> and Shigeru Miyamoto was introduced on the stage mm-hmm. of Nintendo, obviously designer and creator of Mario. Uh, To show off a new Mario game called Super Mario Run. And this is basically one of those auto-runner style games. You know, tap controls uh, to jump and then hold to, like, jump higher. And, you know, you collect a bunch of coins. And uh, did you get to see it? Did you get to see what this game looks like? Yeah,
0: I checked it out. And I didn't play it, of course, but... It looked, uh, you know, I'm sort of mixed feelings about this. I mean, the, the graphics look fine. It looks like Super Mario on the Wii, I mm-hmm. would say, right? They use that same engine. Yeah,
1: or, you know, or the DS. You know, those style okay. games. yeah. hmm
0: And uh, it, it, my problem with the game is that it's not... This, this style of game has been done to death so many times. Mm-hmm. That, and I've talked about games that play like this, like, in the past year, you know? Right. And I don't know, like, what they're going to do different that's going to make this one any better than some of those other ones. Other than, you know, oh, it has Mario in it, you know? Well, I'm but, assuming
1: it's going to have that Nintendo polish. That sort of right. extra amount of effort that yeah. they put in. Yeah, so
0: that's a positive. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, the graphics are good, and... Uh, that's really, you know, that's all I can say. It was kind of early. They didn't show a whole lot.
1: Yeah. It was very brief, actually. They didn't really dig too much into it.
0: Uh, I mean, I I already have a problem with the fact that it seems to be a a portrait view game only Mm. and I don't like to play games like that, but that's just my personal
1: preference. Mm -hmm. I think they said that they wanted to design the game so you could play it with one hand. One hand, yeah. And, and you know, uh, Miyamoto even demonstrated, you know, like uh, simulated, you know, hanging from a, a wrist uh, hold on a, a bus yeah, right? or a subway, <laughs> and then you pl- you could play with your with your other hand. Uh huh. Um, so that was a design goal what for was them. That thing he was talking about, like
0: eating an apple or something like that, or eating a hamburger. Well,
1: he's just giving you examples of things that you might be busy oh, right. with on the other with the other hand, so you could keep playing the game. <laughs> yeah. Well, one-handed mode Mario. That's what we all needed, right? Sure. <laughs> well, they did yeah. also mention something about battle mode. They they talked about something called Toad Rally, which I think is really just a way to compete against your friends. Yeah. High scores, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you collect coins like you do in most Mario games, and you can use those coins to access unlockables of some kind.
0: Yeah, they weren't totally sh- clear. I, th- I think they... I think they. I, I got the feeling they were going to charge for this game, mm. but they didn't see how much. I don't know if it was going to be a free game.
1: Yeah, Is well, that- I think I think they did say that it's going to have an upfront cost. It's not okay. going to be a free to download type of thing. And they said, you know, you get the full game with your purchase. You don't have to keep putting money into the Well, there is going to gonna be
0: in-app purchases. There might
1: be, but those well, might be optional things. I yeah, don't know. they don't
0: say, but if you look on there, because mm-hmm. it's already up on the Apple store. Right. But it's up as a, like, notify me kind of thing, which is the first time Apple's ever done this with anything before.
1: They've never done any kind of, like, Pre-order or yeah, or uh, like you know, here's here's a thing for something coming soon, right? So that's
0: how special, yeah. Apple makes it out to be, mm-hmm. and anyway, when if you view it, it does show that it, that there's going to be in-app purchases in it. Okay, there's usually like a little section for that. Yeah, yeah, they list so, out I And mean, that could be subject to change, but
1: mm-hmm. who knows? They didn't really say when this was coming out. They just said holiday 2016. Yeah.
0: So anywhere between now and January, I guess. Mm-hmm. So they delayed. So they they had. Their original plan was to release, like, six mobile games, I think. Mm-hmm. And they released... Well, they canceled one, so now we're down to five. And they released Mitomo. And uh, this is their second one, I guess, the Mario game?
1: I guess so. And they have
0: Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem. Right. And then there's still one to be determined. Yeah. So Animal Crossing and Fire Emblem was is delayed now until, I think, April or March of next year?
1: They're pushing it into next year to, make, to kind of make room for this game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So that was a surreal moment to see <laughs> Miyamoto on stage uh-huh. on an Apple keynote address.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very peculiar. Um, I think, you know, we wouldn't be the first ones to say that that Apple and Nintendo seem to have some amount of synergy between them. Like, it seems like a good fit.
0: It rekindled a lot of the, oh, I wish Apple would just buy Nintendo already. Kind
1: of <laughs> All those arguments came yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there is some kind of partnership because this game is um, on iOS first. They said right. it's yeah. not. It's not. Ex- it you know, it might seem like an exclusive at first, but they said iOS first, which implies it will be on Android and, and other OSs afterwards. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Although Mito is not
0: on Android yet, is it?
1: Uh, I don't know. Mm. I, I know. I know Pokemon Go is. Yeah, but yeah,
0: that's done by a different mm-hmm. company, though.
1: Right. Right. Huh.
0: I wonder cuz the the ones who did this is D E N A Dina, mm-hmm. I guess. Right. So
1: uh you know they're taking care of these for party. DNA, I think is how you pronounce that. D-
0: is it DNA? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. That's what, that's what they're going for. All
0: right.
1: Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Uh-huh. I'm curious to see how that takes off. Yeah. Uh so far people people's interest in Mitomo dropped off pretty quickly, but that was more of a social kind of a thing, not an actual game per se. Yeah. So so we'll see if this has any more staying power. I think it's
0: a good move for them. Uh you know, they don't I think they don't want to give you a full Mario game because they want you to buy their new hardware that's going to have the full experience. So this is kind of like sort of the um the appetizer mm-hmm. to their full games, you know. Yeah. It's to say, "Oh, a new Mario game. Oh, you know what? I, I like Mario games. I'm going to buy the the one on on the console."
1: That's what that's what Reggie Fuseme said. He says he hopes that this Steers people towards, you know, like getting getting interest in in their properties, and then steering them towards their their native yeah, hardware. It'll
0: be interesting to see if that holds true, or if people say, "Yeah, you know what? The hour I played with this mobile app is, I got my fix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm
1: good." I wonder. Yeah, I, I think if the mission of this app was to generate interest, I I would think it should be free to, free to download. This way, mm-hmm. you get it in the most people's hands. Right, I agree. But you know, I guess they want to make some money on it too. I.
0: Th- think they could easily charge a dollar and it'll still sell millions of this mm-hmm. just out of curiosity from people
1: yeah i don't know what they what they hope to to charge for this i'm Ooh. gonna i'm gonna predict mm, 299
0: <laughs> really oh, okay
1: that's my guess
0: that that sounds like a very japanese price point for mm-hmm. a what should be a free-to-play mobile game <laughs> Wow. Well.
1: So well, we've seen what Square does with their...
0: Right, exactly. You know,
1: Square Enix with and, their and pricing And people buy is, those things. They don't even question it. They go for full-priced full, <laughs> full price, uh, uh-huh. experiences. $18 yep. or more, right? Yep. And those are top sellers. hmm
0: Yeah. Uh, what, one thing I'd like to clear up is that this game is not an infinite runner. And I keep seeing this on, on different websites reviewing... Well, not reviewing, but previewing this
1: game. Yeah. And it is not infinite runner. It's totally different. This is going to have stages. Mm-hmm. I, I I guess we'll find out when it's actually out. Mm-hmm. There was some other Nintendo presence through Pokemon Go at the event. They, they showed off Pokemon Go for Apple Watch as well. Yeah. yeah. And I guess some people say, well, it's a little too late because interest in Pokemon Go is already starting to dwindle a little bit. But I think there's a lot of people that... The people who actively still go for it are probably, you know... Yeah. It's probably some interest in seeing it on the watch. I
0: just don't know if the... Apple Watch customer is the same customer that is playing Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm
0: not sure there's a crossover there.
1: Yeah, I haven't really heard a whole lot about gaming on the Apple Watch, so I don't. I've know. heard, and,
0: and it's not good. Mm-hmm. But there's a new. That's with the old Watch OS, but Watch OS three, I think, is coming out soon. I don't think it was released yet, but that's supposed to dramatically, like night and day, improve the performance of how the games play and stuff. So you might see some better stuff on on the some better apps Mm -hmm. than what's out there right now okay but you know that watch isn't really meant for there's no brains to that thing it's all done all the processing power is on the phone
1: yeah it's kind of meant to be a second screen to the phone Uh yeah okay uh so how about a little bit about the actual hardware they showed off there's the iphone 7 and 7 plus yeah Uh, this line uses a new processor, obviously. Yeah. A- A10, right? The A10 Fusion, as oh, they call ooh, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a new quad-core processor. They, they love
0: that word, Fusion. They call their hard
1: drives. That's right. Fusion drives. And there's a reason for that for this one, right? Uh-huh. Because this is a new quad-core chip that they've got, which I think is different because even even the 6S was still a, a dual-core. I think dual, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so this one actually has... Four, pro- four cores, but they're not equivalent cores. There's two high performance cores, which are going to be equivalent to what last gen was like, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's these two high efficiency cores. These are lower power cores that are meant to run kind of background tasks and lower priority tasks. And, and that'll uh,
0: also use less battery power.
1: As a result, that's supposed to improve battery efficiency. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the A10 Fusion promises to be 40 to 50% faster than than the 6S.
0: So there was an interesting uh, benchmark that was done this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, using that Geekbench program and you know this this that doesn't measure real-world performance. That's just benchmarking the actual processor speed. Yeah. And this new phone is actually out outperforming the MacBook 12-inch model. Mm-hmm. So actually a, a laptop is
1: going to be slower than a, a phone. Wow. In this modern era, I wonder how I wonder if that translates really. Can you make that direct comparison? I mean, you really
0: can't because one runs a desktop software, you know, one's mobile software, different apps, different everything. So mm-hmm. it's it's, but it's just. I think it's interesting just from a technologically, you know, standpoint.
1: Right. Well, with these new phones, is some new controversy, right? Mm-hmm. Most notably, the removal of the analog headphone jack, the normal jack that's been found on many devices up to now. Yeah But they've decided to take the leap And, you know, decided to cut that out um, For, I guess, I guess they wanted to make room Is what they're claiming They're saying that the, the the amount of space That that normal jack takes up inside the phone Could be used for better things They already figure they have a digital port That can replace it So why continue to support uh, such an outdated connector? Yeah so what's your take on that? Do you do, do, you agree with that stance?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm all for it. I mean, I, I think Apple has a history of making these controversial changes in order to sort of push the industry forward mm-hmm. into trying, you know, new things. And so Apple's saying right now, they're not saying that, uh, is two ways to look at it. Like it's a lot of people saying, Oh, they got rid of the headphone jack and you know, all this stuff. But really what they're saying is "No, we're Their future is wireless. That's what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And, you don't need cables anymore. So why are we including this jack that uses a cable? We have these new great wireless earbuds, you know, that you can buy and they work seamlessly with your phone, fo- with your phone. They call uh, them AirPods. AirPods. Yeah. And they have this new chip in it. And this new chip is super optimized, you know, better than the standard Bluetooth that you might be used to. Mm-hmm. Connects automatically. It's very simple to use. Right. You get like five hour battery life. And, you know, this is our vision of the future. However, Maybe we're not there yet, so we're going to give you this a little adapter so you can still use your The, uh,
1: <laughs> the, the salient quote from this event was that they had the courage to move on. Yeah. <laughs> so they're taking that bold first step and making the change.
0: Which is funny because they're not the first one who did it. Motorola did it on their phone. Mm-hmm. I think another company, maybe LG or somebody... Also, they're, yeah. they're using USB-C as the audio jack on it.
1: Uh-huh. You know so, who else did it once? Oh, uh, who? Nintendo.
0: A- Nintendo did it on their
1: GBA. On the, on the GBA SP. SP. Yeah. <laughs> Apple did it on their first. Th- they did backpedal from that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Apple did it on their first iPhone in the sense that it was recessed and it was hard to get to. So okay. They, so they included an adapter. An adapter. All right. For third-party headphones okay. if you wanted to plug into it. Um yeah, I guess they are pushing the whole wireless thing. Um, but I, I, my counterpoint to that is now it's now it's another device I have to charge right. to use. I'm with
0: you on that. Yeah.
1: So now I have to worry about battery life on my headphones.
0: I don't think five hours is a lot of time for a pair of headphones. That's what they
1: quoted for their AirPods, for their but AirPods. there's going to be obviously yes. other solutions. Mm, just a, yeah. And they and there and and those that set is pretty pricey too. Uh, I think it was like 160 dollars. 60.
0: It's pricey, but it's not. There are a way more pricier headphones than that. That's actually not bad mm-hmm. for wireless. For wireless. And it has the microphone built in. Well. The cool thing about it, though, is it comes with a little case. So you can, when, when you have to charge it, if you're on the subway or something, you just throw it in the case and the case attaches to your phone and it just charges the headphones through there. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to be able to charge it in some capacity.
1: Okay. Well that's if you go with the official Apple version, but obviously there's gonna be other Well you can buy
0: like twenty dollar Bluetooth headphones.
1: Yeah. And you're
0: just not getting that you're not taking advantage of that new chip that they come up with, you know. Mm-hmm. So you a lot of people complain, well Bluetooth audio is not the best, you know.
1: Right. I um I, I use I used to buy pretty decent earbuds. I don't I never really got into the whole like gigantic <laughs> head can thing. But I <laughs> uh I I, I kind of your Kobe's your Kobe no headphones. I yeah I have, like I have like a set of Panasonic headphones or something uh-huh. like like little earbuds. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of switched to getting the cheaper ones because I found that even my better ones were breaking pretty often. Like I would like the wire internally would break and, and I would lose audio in one channel or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I said, you know what? These are going to be disposable. I'm going to get the best rated inexpensive headphones for under fifteen bucks or something like that. And that's what I've been sticking to. But I see other people who claim to be more of audiophiles and they have really good headphones and they're like, I have good headphones to use with my iPhone. You know, something that they might have paid over a hundred dollars for and they're like, I don't want to replace them. I want to keep using the headphones that I like.
0: Right. And
1: So they're going to have to use the adapter. (laughs) Yeah, the
0: $9 adapter. It's not a big issue. If you have $700 or $800 to buy a phone, Mm -hmm. the $9 adapter, which they're giving you free in the box, but if you need an extra one for every pair of headphones you have, it's not that bad.
1: Right. So in addition to the adapter, they are giving you also a pair of lightning headphones. Which
0: most people when are using their Apple headphones. Like, if you look on the subway in the city, mm-hmm. I bet you, nine times out of ten, you're going to see that white Apple cable hanging from someone's ear, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't think most people are going to care about this.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I, I like you said, I mean, people use that by default, even if it's not the greatest quality. Um, there's going to be options.
0: I, I use a really crappy pair of, I think, JVC Marshmallow headphones. They were like... I think they were like nine ninety five in Best Buy, and I've had them for like 10 years, and they work great mm-hmm. for me. Nice. Um, yeah, I think they're pretty cool, but they may not be, you know, know cheap stuff. I have a $100 pair of headphones too, but I don't take those out mm-hmm. of the house with, them, with me. Um, I don't like these old analog headphones. I think that this analog stuff is like so old school, and even going back to when I was in high school with a, a cassette Walkman, I hated the static that I would get from, like, twisting the, the connector. And uh, I was telling you you'd think I'm crazy, but when I walk with <laughs> headphones, I get a static discharge, and uh-huh. my ears get shocks. That's nuts. I don't know why. I, I thought it, it had to do with, like, cassette Walkman, but when I moved on to the MP3 player, the same thing happens. When I walk with uh, an, a... a a device in my hand and the headphones. For some reason, I don't know if it's my long hair. It creates this like static discharge, and I get little like, sh- like little shocks, electrical shocks. Well, that in my might ear. still happen
1: with the new headphones. Who knows? Uh There's still a wire involved, so. Yeah, I don't. Know. That's that's possible.
0: Well, if you're wireless, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that would happen.
1: Well, now you got but a battery near your ear. If you're gonna, it's, it's going to be wireless. How's that going like to help. Five volts of
0: juice in my ear. <laughs> you
1: should try it and I don't see. Know.
0: It's, uh, I I think it's good. I think I'm curious to see where the industry goes. It might backfire on them, yeah. but I think probably not.
1: Mm. Well, one other reason they remove that headphone jack is to be more water resistant, and mm. that's one of their features. Right. They also redesigned the home button to accomplish that. It's now pressure sensitive. Yeah, that so, should
0: be good. We'll so see. they
1: changed a few things yeah. here. Um, the new camera tech is kind of nice. It seems like the dual lens on the plus you know, will that, lend, that's my lend itself to one, better photography. Yeah,
0: that's my one disappointment. That's only on the plus. Cause mm-hmm. That to me is the selling point. I really want that dual camera because it adds uh, it has a telephoto lens on it. Yeah. So you can get only two times optical zoom, but I like zooming in like when I go to like baseball games or wrestling shows or something or yeah. whatever sporting event. I like to zoom in and get nice close-up shots and I can't really do that with phones. Mhm. So, you know, Whatever. I guess it's...
1: It's one of the perks for going with the, the large thing size. is, I don't
0: want the plus-size phone. I don't think I want to go that large. So, mm-hmm. I'll lose out on the, the dual camera, but...
1: For now. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if they can maintain that. Uh-huh. All right. So, that was kind of a quick run through the Apple event. Wait, you didn't say. Are you buying an iPhone 7? Am I buying you, it? You
0: you... I'm looking for a phone for a so year
1: now. so I've been I've been using the same phone for four years now and oh. I think it's time for an upgrade. Uh, so I'm gonna see I'm gonna wait until I see it in the store. I wanna wanna I wanna try to experience you it. I wanna feel it in your hands. I wanna see. Well, so the question of whether you go with the seven or the seven plus is one thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Can you can you deal with having such a large phone? Um, obviously, you know, the plus has been around for two years now. I could, I could certainly see how that measures up, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of ai I'm, I'm of the opinion that you got to try to experience it in person to really mm-hmm. see if you like it or not. I
0: think you get 14 days to try it out. If you don't uh, like you it, you
1: still have to pay for the, for something. I, I don't think Activation it's a, fee it's, it's not free, but you, you do, you do lose something yeah. in the process. Uh, but also depending on how quickly they ship, um, you know, after seeing it in the store. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Google is going to have an event next month, too, so I might wait and see what they have to offer.
0: But you're always going to be waiting for the next... I know. Because after Google, it's going to be some other company I, that's going to have their flagship phone. I hear this
1: all the time. but And it's true, it's true. You could wait it forever. And you're going
0: to start reading about rumors of the iPhone 8, and you're going to be like, well, you know, it's only six months away, so <laughs> I'll wait for the 8.
1: Well, I could consider either one because I'm not... I, I, you know, Android or iOS, there's pros and cons either way. Yeah. Uh, So I'm not that committed to either one. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll just wait. I I might just wait and see what happens. (laughs) Very well. (laughs) However, uh, at the end of this event, afterwards, we had another event to worry about the playstation kind of meeting worry about it yeah it is it's a it's a load of uh, things to worry about immediately after the apple event ended which was about two hours long the playstation meeting was was happening in new york where they were gonna talk about new things in the land of playstation right presented by andrew house ceo of uh, sony interactive entertainment uh, of course, the first thing they talked about is the PS4 Slim, the, must, the much-rumored redesign of the PlayStation and, 4. And
0: recently leaked out on YouTube like three <laughs> weeks ago. Right,
1: right. Uh, it had gotten out of the hands of, of distributors, and uh, people were able to acquire it early. So we knew all about this machine well in advance of this event. But the new information we got out of it is a release date. It's coming out on September 15th, at least in the U.S., mm-hmm. Uh, I think in other territories as well, um, U.S. price is going to be 299 officially. So, with this model, I guess the PS4 is now gets a price drop to 299 Yep. officially. But, of course, the big news was the next PlayStation, mm-hmm. <laughs> the PS4 Pro. Which
0: was previously codenamed Neo.
1: The PS4 Neo. So, what do you think of this name, for one thing? We got, a, we got a real name out of it. It's no longer the Neo. It's now the PS4 Pro. Well,
0: it's, it's another example of companies following Apple's lead and
1: <laughs> doing that
0: whole, like, the Pro, and, you know, it almost looked like the same font they used, and uh, that, that's what I got. When I saw that, I'm like, well, what's, yeah, because Apple has, they just did the iPad Pro, like, renaming last yeah, year. Yeah, or, you know... Like, what's Pro about it? Like, I don't...
1: And but, I question the, Apple
0: on that, too. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying... The Mac Pro. I didn't agree with
1: Apple on calling it a Pro, and I don't agree with Sony calling this. a Well, pro. Apple followed their precedent of, of the Mac Pro. They obviously had the Mac Pro before that, and or the MacBook Pro. Uh,
0: and they, so they've yeah. used that term
1: before for their more upscale yeah. product, right?
0: It made sense on those. Mm-hmm. On the iPad, not so much. Right. And on the PlayStation, even less. Because mm-hmm. now what are you saying? The Slim is not... Pro worthy like I
1: don't
0: <laughs> like what's making that a pro other than the ability to have 4k video
1: mm. so yeah let's talk a little bit about what the PS4 pro is mm-hmm. for a moment. Uh, we know it's an upgraded GPU it's meant it's it's set to have double the power of the existing PlayStation 4. so it's got a higher clock CPU. it comes with one terabyte standard as opposed to the 500 gig starting model. Uh, So, yeah, it's got support for 4K video output, for HDR, which is their kind of... I guess you could call it high contrast and higher color palette capabilities. Um, Is that
0: for gaming also? For gaming as well. Okay, that's all around.
1: And they they were pushing that point pretty heavily throughout the presentation, Mm -hmm. talking about what HDR means for gaming and what we can expect for games to improve on. And honestly, it was pretty hard to get a sense of what that was like during their demo. It was
0: laughable almost when they're showing these clips, and I'm like, this looks exactly the same. Well, that's
1: the problem because (laughs) most people are watching it on a 1080p screen Mm -hmm. at best, and they're watching a compressed video uh, stream that may not really convey that look. I mean, I especially saw it during some of the game footage they were showing, Um, you know, some new footage of that Horizon uh, game where, you know, you saw some effects and stuff, and I clearly saw the macro blocking and the compression. I'm like, this does not convey a good example of what what quality we should expect from this. Um, And, you know, I guess in addition, another feature they were talking about is just the VR capability. They kind of tacked that on at the end to say, oh, yeah, it makes for better VR. But they didn't take any time at all to really show... What the benefits of to VR would be?
0: No, I know, but they, yeah, it's on their slide. They'll
1: yeah, look. so it was in their lineup, but it I didn't... was waiting
0: for them to talk about the VR. I'm like, all right, let's hear more about this VR. Mm-hmm.
1: So, <laughs> uh, but you know, I guess the thing is, this is this is another problem that that uh, 3D gaming had when that was first introduced. It's hard to show off these things through existing technology because this claims to be better than what you've currently got. So how are you going to demonstrate it to people unless they see it in person? Mm-hmm. It's impossible to know what the what VR feels like unless you put the headset on and well, really see it for they yourself. they have about
0: 30 days to figure it out because this thing's going to be in the stores and if people don't know about it, they're not going to take a chance and spend 400 on a new console or a headset. You know?
1: Right, so they announced a price point and a release date. PS4 Pro will be... Available November 10th of this year, mm-hmm. so very soon, at three ninety nine, which was the original price of the first PlayStation only three years ago. Yeah. So, uh... Man, I should have waited. <laughs> you should have, right? I believe in early adopters. Like
0: I always never do that. Never mm-hmm.
1: do that. So, how do you like the look of the console? It looks very similar to the Slim. It looks like two Slims stacked on top of each other. Or, or one and a half Slims, yeah. right? Because it's got now two slits two in the front slits. of it.
0: I was never a big fan of that look, the PS4's look. hmm So, I'm not a big fan of how these look, either. Mm-hmm. But it's not horrible.
1: It's just sort of, eh, you know.
0: The, it's, the whole slit look, I don't like.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess. It's, right. um... I don't. I, I kind of like the look of the original. I think it looks very sleek and like those hard edges mm-hmm. look make it look like a piece of stealth technology or something. Yeah. But for this new generation, they've kind of rounded off those those corners, and now it's got more of a smooth look to it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I, I'm I'm still kind of evaluating it. I don't know if I really like it that much, mm-hmm. but I don't hate it. You know, it's, it still looks. No, good. I don't hate it. Yeah. It looks it looks fine. Uh huh. Um, the pro looks a little bigger than the stock. The it, stock it, it model. It didn't
0: wow me the way the Xbox One Slim
1: mm-hmm. wowed me.
0: Like when I saw that, especially in person, I'm like, wow, this looks really nice, like well designed. <laughs> uh huh. But I'm not getting that vibe from the.
1: It definitely has a more mm, a more subtle sort of design to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so
0: what do you think about those little rubber feet that are X O square triangle?
1: It's a it's a, it's a nice touch, but it, you'll never see it because yeah, it's I, on the bottom. I thought It was a
0: weird choice to, to do that. I don't
1: know. Yeah, so they they the because the you're
0: gonna see it when it's standing up. If you do, if you choose well, that's true
1: to orient it that way. That's right, and it does. I think it does have a vertical stand mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I wouldn't put it that way. No, but I never do that. No. Uh, I, I so so I, I get, I'm assuming you're not gonna get one. Right? That's not... It's not on your wish list.
0: Not at all. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless something happens to mine, it doesn't work or something like that. <laughs> right. The one, the one thing I do like about it is it has physical buttons. Mm-hmm. Whereas the original PS4 has this, like, kind of touch button that you don't press it. You just glaze your finger over it and it just turns on. Yeah. And it drives me crazy because every time I, I clean, I dust my machine, it turns on every single time. Yep. So... Or if I just brush up against it by accident, you know, it's... Could happen. I don't like that. It's not that hard to press a button, you know. Uh,
1: yeah, I guess they're they were going for a futuristic thing. I guess. I guess. Um, but that's not enough for me to upgrade. Yeah, and it's it's a weird it's a weird half step now. It's not quite a new console generation. I see a lot of talk about, um, you know, I wish they had waited another two three years or something, and then. Do the PlayStation 5 when it was time to do it. Mm. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't know that we're going to get a PlayStation 5, to be honest. I don't know that... I think if they come out with a PlayStation 5 at some point, it's going to be strictly a marketing move in the sense of it's a signal to let everybody know this is the next kind of evolutionary step in the line.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But... It seems with this machine, they're they're gonna follow this route of just incremental upgrades, little every two or three years, instead of waiting five years for a whole new console cycle or or longer, whatever that would be. Um, every every two or three instead, we'll get a little bump in the spec, a little extra GPU power, but. I don't know if this is enough power to really get to 4K successfully. They're, they're talking about this as, like, it's meant for people with 4K TVs. And that's obviously where you're going to see the benefit of mm-hmm. this extra, you know, the extra horsepower. But I don't know. This is To me, this is like taking your $200 video card in your PC and upgrading to a $300 video card. You'll get a little more performance. You'll get a few more frames. Mm-hmm. Some things will be smoother. But even on the PC... Uh, a $600 video card is not enough to do 4K at 60 frames per second consistently, consistently with every game. It's still not enough. It's a- even,
0: even though this is optimized, the OS is optimized for these games, and you know, mm-hmm. you're not dealing with drivers and stuff like you are on Windows.
1: So you could say there's a lot less overhead here, mm-hmm. that you're running a lot closer to the metal, and maybe you're getting more raw performance out wow. of the hardware. But I think it's still a tall hill to climb. <laughs> I, I think... At this point, you know, going from 1080p to 4K is a, is a really big increase. It's four times more data. That's not what the 4K stands for. But, right. <laughs> but basically, driving a 4K display is like driving four 1080p screens at the same time. It's a much heavier workload for the machine. So I don't think simply doubling the GPU power and overclocking the CPU a bit is enough to really get you there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might benefit VR more. I think if you're if you believe in VR, I mean
0: that was yeah that's what
1: I thought. The whole reason why they were going
0: to release this mm-hmm. Neo was as to make your VR work better. Yeah,
1: you know? because in VR the frame rate is really important. Uh-huh. Having that fast refresh when you move your head around because mm-hmm. because there's head tracking involved and because it follows your vision, you know, having that instantaneous reaction time when you're looking around is is really important to maintaining that that immersive aspect of VR. And, you know, and it's all supposed to, people get motion sick if you don't, if you don't have that, 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 that rate, because now what your eyes see doesn't correspond to what your, your head movement is like. Um, so I think that's where it's going to really benefit things, even though they're saying PlayStation VR will work with existing PlayStations, you know, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily have to upgrade, but there's bound to be some sort of benefit. And I'm surprised they didn't cover it in this.
0: Yeah. I think they're going to do a follow-up. A whole like VR launch special where they're going to address mm-hmm. the new console is going to be optimized for VR and stuff. Mm-hmm. It th- otherwise, it doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, it's really weird to me. <laughs> it really doesn't.
0: Uh, another thing uh, I don't know if you were going to get to, but they chose to exclude the 4K uh, Blu-ray on yes. the on the enhanced model. On so pro model.
1: So for those that don't know, I guess for on 4K TVs now. If you've got a Blu-ray movie, uh-huh. it's it's only 1080p, but now there's enhanced Blu-rays called Ultra High Definition, or UHD, uh, that use 4K native resolution, you know, and that's, that's obviously something you need a new Blu-ray player for. The Xbox 360S, that's one of their new features, is that they added support for that, mm. whereas... The PlayStation 4 Pro, which is meant to be exclusively for 4K, or it's meant to be, you know, explicitly designed for 4K, um, they chose to exclude this feature. It just has a standard Blu- Blu-ray drive. Yeah. And um, they say because we feel that the future is streaming and that that's where people who are con- consuming 4K content, they're going to be looking at for- at-, at streaming instead.
0: Yeah. Which they're right. <laughs> I think that's like the majority of people.
1: So that's probably going to be true for the majority of people, eighty mm-hmm. percent, let's say. But I think there's still always going to be that that other part of the uh, you know the viewing public that wants the the highest quality possible, right? And they're going to they're the ones that are buying these discs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and I think the fact that they call the pro also. Is sort of like, oh, you're calling a pro, but you're you're not giving us like the pro. It's not as pro as it could be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean, personally, I I didn't even heard of the, of that type of Blu-ray drive. I thought Blu-rays were all the same, so that was news to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. I'm I'm, I'm only going to assume that they, while they say it's you know we see the future of streaming, I I, I can assume it's because of cost that they chose to exclude it. Either it's in licensing cost or actual manufacturing cost. Mm-hmm. Um, I, Heat,
0: maybe? Who knows?
1: Uh, who knows? I think, uh, obviously, there's some processing overhead, but you would assume the PlayStation 4 Pro is more than capable of handling that. Uh, I, I guess it's just a matter of, you know, it would have cost us a few extra bucks, and we really wanted to meet that 399 price point. Mm-hmm. So, that's what it's all about. I, I don't expect... I mean, they say it's not going to be added through future updates. I don't know if that hardware is capable of reading a disc. I don't know what's physically different about uh, an ultra high def Blu-ray drive versus a standard one. I know on the PC side, uh, you can get a, a Blu-ray burner that supports uh, high high capacity Blu-ray discs, up to over over a hundred gig, which is what ultra high def movies are stored on. The UHD dr- discs are. Hundred gig discs up to that point. Uh, So there is a format called BDXL on PCs, which supports up to one hundred and twenty gigs. And those drives are fairly—you know—you can get one for about fifty or less, between forty and fifty dollars. So I don't know how much of that cost is—is you know the Mm -hmm. the PlayStation, but I don't know. This is this is a weird pickle that they put people in because now you've got you are giving Microsoft a reason to say, "Hey, look." The Xbox can do this, a console that starts at $299. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you, you, if you buy the PS4 Pro at 399 you don't even have this capability. So. And
0: Microsoft's even saying, hey guys, wait another year, and ours is four times better than mm-hmm. Sony's Pro.
1: Right, and we don't even know what that's going to cost, right. though. So, keep waiting. They were
0: probably going to say four times <laughs> regardless of what Sony said.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, well, without getting into teraflops and all that, it looks like the Scorpio is going to be about fifty percent more powerful on paper mm. than than what the Pro is currently. So but, I don't I mean, know if that's going to be the case. These games all look good, regardless of. It's true.
0: You're playing on 720 or 4K. Mm-hmm. They all look good.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm in. Uh, personally, I'm in no hurry to get this machine. Yeah. It's not going to be anything that I'm really. I don't have a 4K TV. I bought a, I bought a new TV in 2 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not looking to change out my TV anytime soon. I don't think I'll consider a 4K TV until OLED TVs are are the standard. I think I'm
0: in the same boat. I think OLED would Unless there's something better that comes out.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, so I think it'll be I'm going to wait for like a little while. 16K. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do. My Atari 400 had 16K. <laughs> that's, that's good. we're going we're going to go back to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so interesting news I guess, but really uh, you know, it'll be. I, I think it'll sell well. I think it'll probably do well for Sony this this season because you're going to look at the PlayStation 4 for people that don't have one yet. They're going to say, "Oh, two ninety nine. That's the cheap one." Mm-hmm. Either they'll say, "I'll get that," or that's going to be the top seller for a mm-hmm. hundred bucks more. Oh, I can get. I can get. You know, for for the price of the old PlayStation, now I can get a better one. Well,
0: yeah, but the, the problem is the parents are going to go into the store and they're going to say, "Well, what's the difference?" And the the clerk's going to be like, "There's no difference. You know, well, let's go for the cheaper one. Unless you have a four K right. TV,
1: just get the cheaper one." I don't think that's, parents that's are how, shopping. That's the
0: conversation.
1: I, I don't imagine parents are shopping for 4K consoles for their kids.
0: Right, so they're going to buy the cheaper model. That's what I think, so that's, yeah. that's going to be the popular mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I guess the, and another counter-argument to this whole thing would be, you know, if you want 4K, get a high-end PC. That'll do 4K just fine. That's what, you know, if, you, if you're looking for the high-end, that's where the high-end is right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, I guess this is kind of a way to sort of bridge it. Yeah, into PC the, users are laughing. I suppose.
0: Uh, Maha,
1: at <laughs> They'll always say that. I see
0: that smirk on your face.
1: It'll yeah. never end. <laughs> All right, so how about we wrap things up with a little feedback. Right. What do you think? We've got a comment from Greg Pollander
2: hmm.
1: for our, our last episode talking about Legend of Kage. He does say, I remember playing Legend of Kage for the NES back when it came out. I never knew it was a port of an arcade game. And like Steph, found it to be a frustrating and challenging game. Still, like Ghosts and Goblins, something kept me coming back to it.
0: Must have been that music. It was that chiptune music. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I, I still haven't fired up the NES version. I gotta see how oh, it no? sounds on uh, that. We'll check it out later. Maybe. Okay. So, do you, do you find games that are like that? That are like, they're they're tough and annoying, but something keeps me wanting to play it to beat this game.
0: Listen, I played through Golgo 13. Mm-hmm. I don't know what made me go back and play in that game, but... Something did, and there are times where I thought I broke that game into pieces. I was so frustrated and angry at it.
1: You do get that feeling of it's me versus the game. Yeah, I, totally. I'm not, not going to let this game get the best of me. Uh-huh. I'm going to keep playing it just so I can prove I, I that I'm, I, I'm better. I
0: used to have more patience. I think I don't know if I tolerate it as much anymore because I feel like I feel like back then that's all we knew, and, and you know, games were were stuck with that those constraints and everything. But nowadays, I think programmers know if a game is like cheap hits or yeah. if a game is like too difficult or something. They they kind of will tailor it to make it more playable and more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So you don't—I don't see those things as much anymore. But they still exist, like Super Meat Boy. And right, like that is a modern. But
1: those are well-tuned games, I think.
0: Right, and and those I like. I think those are very challenging, often frustrating games that I'll keep going back to and play. But I don't know if I'd go back to and play a game like you know, A Legend of Kage or. I'll go 13 anymore. <laughs> or even, you know, Ghosts and Goblins, which is... I went back to that recently. And that's, I forgot how hard that game was on <laughs> NES. Uh, and that's another game I played through and beat it. It took me a long time, but, you know, you have to go through twice, which is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> right. So I think he had further comments on the game you played.
0: Yeah, he referenced uh, that game I played, Her Story. And he said a similar game I think you guys might like. That is a modern full motion video game is called Contradiction. It's a game that he kickstarted. You play an English cop in a small town investigating a murder. You do interviews with people and have to spot the contradictions in their statements and call them out on it. Hence the name. Mm -hmm. So if you are good at logic and verbal puzzle games, you'll really enjoy this. And the acting isn't that bad. Sexy British accents on the girls with a emoticon winking. I'm sure
1: Austin Powers would approve.
0: Right? Yeah, well, especially if they're 60s. Right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is definitely... A, I put that on my wish list because I'm interested. Mm. Uh, I like bad acting, especially. Mm. I, I don't know if it's bad or not, but um, I, I like these little quirky games. And um, sometimes these full motion video games can be kind of funny. I just picked up... Uh, this. I think it was this week. I picked up... This, uh, there was a Humble Bundle, I think, for Sierra Games. Yeah. And they had the Phantasmagoria games for PC, which I never played before. Yeah, right. So now that I have a PC, uh, I think it was like a dollar or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that has some full motion video, and it looked kind of funny. So I'm going to I'm gonna try that at some
1: point. Those are Notorious Games, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it sounds a lot like... Uh, what's that other one? I think L.A. Noir was another game. It wasn't FMV, but it was another game where you play a cop, you interview people, and you're supposed to kind of oh, really? judge their reactions to is, is determine... That the, with-
0: Full motion video? No,
1: no, it's okay. all in game graphics.
0: Oh, right. Oh, so
1: it's a rock star game and they hmm. kinda of push the push things a bit to try to simulate. Well, yeah, I mean the like game that.
0: concepts are not always that important to me. It's more about the full motion video mm-hmm.
1: quality. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, maybe uh maybe you'll get a kick out of this one then. Yeah, I'm gonna wait for a sale. Mm-hmm. Alright, and uh, Greg Izzy actually had comments on our previous episode, episode ninety six. He says, shocking to hear that young Leon ran headfirst into someone's metal lunchbox. Well, I was like I said, it was just a case of not positioning my head properly. <laughs> it was a swinging lunchbox that hit me right in the head.
0: That that eye patch that you had to wear really built
1: character. Uh, no eye patch. No eye patch. <laughs> I was not a young pirate. <laughs> well, maybe I was, but not in that sense. <laughs> Uh, so actually Greg says, um, my friends and family played NES well into the SNES lifespan because we enjoyed the multiplayer games. I was still renting or buying or trading NES games until 82 or 83. Oh, I'm sorry for 92 and 93 for sure. And I had both SNES and Genesis. Genesis never really got me to move from system to system. It was more about the overall experience. So, what do you think about that? Did you did you have both systems at the same time back then? No, I had
0: the Genesis first.
1: Exclusively?
0: Yeah, and then Super Nintendo came out. Uh, I was not interested in the initial lineup that much. Uh, I also didn't have a whole lot of money. But uh, I borrowed my friend's console. He lent it to me for a few days, and I beat Super Mario World. I think I beat it like one night or two nights. I thought that was a really easy game so that was kind of like the big game at the time and it, it was like well i beat super mario world I, I didn't really think it was that special so i don't need to buy this console and it wasn't until i started working at the game store that uh finally i think it was that first christmas i worked there i think it was like ninety two, nineteen ninety two, 1992 that they they were like they didn't understand like how do you not own a super nintendo like this is crazy mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't know i don't really see any games so they gave it to me for christmas that year they everyone shipped in in the store and they bought it for me. They bought. They gave me like a used one that they picked up, um, and that's how I acquired it. And then I picked up a few games for it. <laughs> hmm. I actually returned one. I think they bought me. Uh, I think Final Fantasy to go with it, and uh, I hated it, so I returned it. And I, I think I picked up um, Contra Three or something.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, that would probably.
0: Yeah, so that's what I did. But it that was it was a good.
1: Work.
0: When did the Genesis come out? Ninety or eighty-nine Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it was a good, you know, almost three years.
1: Or,
2: mm-hmm.
0: two, or two years. of of owning just the one pencil.
1: Hmm. Uh, But I own
0: yeah, but for the the majority, I own both.
1: Mm, Yeah. yeah. I I did get both at some point too. Uh, Greg says, I'd say Super Mario Kart swayed me the most. I used to play it for 40 minutes whenever I went to a Toys R Us. Uh, Plus, to be honest, I was never satisfied with the Genesis offerings, first or third party, beyond Sonic, EA Sports, and a few others. Mm. Um, I guess for me, I mean, I think I might've mentioned it before. I think the game that finally got me to get an SNES was actually an arcade port of Smash TV. That was the game that I saw that said, I must have this system.
0: Same, same here. That was, yeah, that was definitely a sell for me. Because mm-hmm.
1: not only did it play great, but really it was the controller setup. Because that simulated the twin-stick setup of the arcade game. Because you had the D-pad and the diamond arrangement of the fire buttons. And that was something that the Genesis controller couldn't pull off. You know, right. the three-button yeah. controller was not suitable for this game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so the Genesis version of that game got a pass for me. Yeah, I
0: think like Flying Edge put that one out on the Genesis. I don't know if it was the same developers who did it, mm-hmm. and that was not. It wasn't a horrible port, but like the NES version and the Genesis version are not that great. Yeah. in Comparison, and the Super Nintendo just looks like almost arcade perfect.
2: Mm-hmm. They,
0: yeah. Like, they even kept a lot of the, the blood and gore and stuff.
1: Yeah, so that was that was finally when I made uh-huh. the jump. But uh, yeah,
0: That was one of my favorite games on there.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, as usual, thanks guys for the feedback. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And I guess we have a bit of an announcement to make.
0: Yeah, we're going to announce it now. And we're going to be doing a special live episode.
1: A live episode streaming webcast version of the podcast (laughs) to celebrate episode 100 for episode 100 two episodes from now we're gonna pick a date we haven't quite figured out a date yet Mm -hmm. because normally we release on tuesday slash wednesday
0: yeah Uh but we're
1: gonna try for something perhaps on a weekend when people are actually home or or are not working
0: (laughs) yeah right so yeah so we'll settle on a time and date Mm -hmm. and uh we'll post it on our facebook group but, you know, I want to put out that if anyone has some questions for us during the, um, you can either ask us ahead of time and we'll, or any comments or anything that you want us to talk about, or uh, you can ask us ahead of time on Facebook and we'll have it ready, or you can just join in on the chat. We're going to try to do some kind of live chat as we do the live episode Yeah, and interact with people.
1: Uh, yeah. So if you, obviously, if you <laughs> want to, if you want to leave it on Facebook, you can, if you want to send it as a private message, you can. Uh, either to our Facebook page or to obbfeedback at gmail.com mm-hmm. is also available uh, but yeah naturally hopefully we'll have some interesting topics to cover and we'll do some live chat And yeah, it'll be like
0: old times because we started off doing
1: a YouTube show <laughs> right Right. it wasn't live it wasn't live No. but uh, we'll give this a shot and <laughs> see, we can get it see to how work. it goes <laughs> uh, the other thing is obviously we'll, we'll try to do a little gameplay if possible that's going, to be, We're going to attempt. that's going to be a technical we'll, challenge, but we'll, we'll see if we we'll can pull it off. We'll share more
0: about that next week.
1: <laughs> right on. So I guess this is it for uh, this episode. Yep. <laughs> so we'll see you next time. See you next time.